Breaker 1-9, Breaker 1-9. There you go, all right. Old pastor's joke there. We are going to be uh, bouncing around a little bit. We're going to kind of continue on in, in, uh, in Brian's theme in, in Jonah, but I want to do a little backing up and, and look at, uh, at some more of Jonah's history there in Second Kings. So while you're flipping around, if you want to start there, Second Kings 14, if I can find my notes, all your Sunday school notes. <laughs> Almost started in about Abraham, but that's Sunday school. We'll put them over here. You'll get two of them, two sermons today. Y'all didn't do enough wrong to deserve that. All right. Well, as I, uh, I hadn't been in banking too long, and, and we hadn't, when I first started out, we didn't really have any sales goals. People came in, they wanted loans and CDs. We did it and sent them on their happy way. Um, and then I was with a different bank, and again, the same thing, CDs and loans, and we didn't really care. Uh, but my third, my third bank, um, well, the second bank got bought out by bank number three. How about that? Um, so we're sitting there, and all of a sudden, we have sales goals, and they start really hammering us. you got to talk to people about this, that, and the other, and blah, blah, blah. And uh, I really kind of had to, to learn a lot. Um, but one of my first big uh, uh, sales was a fella that uh, I didn't think I was going to sell anything to. I, I used to go help out at the plaza, and that's a fun crowd, let me tell you. Those who have just a bit too much money can be a bit demanding when they come into the bank sometimes. Um, so I would go down there and help out, because um, I worked up in Liberty, I'd go down to the plaza and help out in the summers when people were on vacation. Down there one time, and, and there's people in suits, and, and nice suits, you know, not, not the suits I buy, not the dress shirt, I mean that nice, they went somewhere and spent money. Um, come in, and then there was this other fellow that came in, and I thought, oh my gosh, and you know, from me to Debbie, I could smell him. As soon as he walked in the door, whoa, what, did someone step on something? What was, I, you could smell him. He was, he was pretty rank, and then he had, a, he had a beard that would put the Duck Dynasty guys to shame, and it didn't have anything growing in it, I don't think. I, did, I tried not to look that close. And he had a big black trench coat on, and I thought, oh my gosh, he's going to flash me. Um, and I thought, this, this, isn't, this, isn't, this, this is not going to work out well. And at the time, he, he came in, he wanted to cash a check. At the time, the policy of the bank was to put the little hash mark on the check, put M-O-D-L for Missouri driver's license, put all your information on there in case it was kind of squirrely. And uh, he said, hey, you can't put my information on. That guy don't need my information. So I'm sorry, sir. You know, that's just bank policy. And on a whim, I looked up this young man's account. Um, he wasn't young either. That's being very generous. But I, I looked up his account, and he had, he had a lot of money with us. And I don't mean he had a couple hundred dollars, a couple thousand. He had quite a few zeros at the end of that. And I said, oh, hold on just a second. Because, you know, bankers have all kinds of rules. But if you have, the more zeros you have on your account, the more they can kind of fudge by on some of that stuff. So I go and talk to the branch manager. I said, sign off on this. He said, there's no information on it. I said, sign off on it. He got money. So he signed off on it. And I went back and talked to this fella. And eventually got him connected with our private banking. And, and he had some large loans that came through. One for a, a boat just to go tootling around the lake by Clinton. And far larger than any one person needed. But that's what he wanted to spend his money on. Turns out this young man had been a, uh, some kind of construction Magnate, I don't know. He was a he was a bigwig on commercial construction downtown. He had made a lot of money, and at somewhere along the age of fifty, had retired and just said, "I can dress however I want. I made my money. Poo poo on the rest of you. I ain't buying a suit ever again." And so he he lived his life. I thought he was a bum when he walked in the door. But anyway, the purpose of that story is that 
you couldn't read that book by its cover. You had to dig a little deeper. You had to look. And sometimes when we read the story of Noah, or Noah, some other water guy, I don't know, you read the story of Jonah, and you come up, and you get to the Ninevites, and you're like, oh, that's just a bunch of sinners, a bunch of weirdos. And, and, and Jonah's going to go in and save them. That's wonderful. No, sometimes you got to dig a little deeper. And that's what we're going to kind of do today is dig a little deeper in the Ninevites and see what's going on with them. Because I think there's some good stuff in there. All right, well, let's dig in here. to, to uh, We're going to be in 2 Kings. I'll start off in there. And if I can follow my notes here, 2 Kings. Um, well, let, let's look a little further back here. Verse 11. Now, Amaziah would not listen. Amaziah is the king of Judah. We've got the split kingdom now. So we've got Judah in the south, Israel in the north, and Jonah is a prophet to Israel in the north. So Amaziah, king of the south. Amaziah, however, would not listen. So Jehoash, king of Israel, attacked. He and Amaziah, king of Judah, faced each other at Beth Shemesh in Judah. Judah was routed by Israel, and every man fled to his home. Jehoash, king of Israel, captured Amaziah, king of Judah, son of Joash, son of Azahiah at Beth Shemesh. Then Jehoash went to Jerusalem, broke down the wall of Jerusalem from the Ephraim gate to the corner gate, a section about 400 cubits long. He took all the gold and silver and all the articles found in the temple of the Lord and treasures of the royal palace. He also took hostages and returned to Samaria. So Israel comes down, beats up on Judah hardcore, and then goes down and sacks the temple. I mean, that's pretty harsh. They, in theory, believe in the same God, but he goes down and tears the temple apart, takes all the gold, silver out. So they probably went into the Holy of Holies and took that stuff out. You know, who knows if they pried anything off the walls. They tore down the city wall. I mean, he really makes a mess of the stuff. So when Judah, or no, Judah, went, ah, we're going to mess up all kinds. So you hang in with me the best you can. So when Nineveh hears about all this stuff, right? Their neighbor to the south, Israel, may not really respect their own God, they went down and sacked the temple. So, I mean, when, when we think about Nineveh, um, and, and they think about Israel's God, Israel's God may be strong, may, maybe not. They, they sacked their own God's temple. So they're hearing about some oddball stuff in, in the south there. Let's, let's fast forward. That was Jehoash, king of Israel. His son, Jeroboam, comes to the throne. And uh, not in bloodshed, which is kind of neat to read, because they, they seem to, to bump off. If you want to become king, you bumped off the old guy. That's how things kind of worked back then. All right, so fast forward again, 2 Kings uh, chapter, chapter 14, verse 23. In the 15th year of Amaziah, son of Joash, king of Judah, Jeroboam, son of Joash, king of Israel, becomes king in Samaria. He reigned 41 years. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord, did not turn away from any of the sins, Jeroboam, son of Nebat which he had caused Israel to commit. He was one who restored, restored the boundaries of Israel from Lebo Hamath to the Dead Sea in accordance with the word of the Lord, the God of Israel, spoken through his servant Jonah, son of Amittai, the prophet from Gath-Hefer. <clears throat> Pardon me. I got to whip my whistle here. Oh, so here we get kind of an introduction to Jonah. So we got Jeroboam, king of Israel, and uh, he does evil in the eyes of the Lord. Um, and he caused Israel to follow along his footsteps there, verse 24. He was the one, though, who restored the boundaries of Israel from Lebo Hamath to the Dead Sea in accordance with the word of the Lord. So Lebo Hamath, you go, you go north from, from Israel, 
and you get to, to Damascus, and then Lebo Hamath, and then Nineveh. So Israel, under Jeroboam, with the blessing of Jonah, this, Jonah blesses this evil king, they go and, and take over Damascus, they go and take over Lebo Hamath, and they're kind of knocking at the door of Nineveh. So again, what does Nineveh hear? Or what did Nineveh see? They saw this kind of evil kingdom down there that's really whipping tail from, from just south of their borders all the way down to the Dead Sea and, and over to Jerusalem and just kind of being honry. And this is the one that God has blessed because they got Jonah the prophet telling them, yeah, go ahead, you're going to whoop them. That's some kind of oddball stuff to think that they're evil, right? They're, they're, he's dragging the whole kingdom down with him, but God's blessing him. You know, Nineveh might be scratching her head going, do they have a God or not? Because they just tore up their own temple, you know, and then they're, they're attacking everybody. So obviously they, they kind of skip that thou shalt not kill part, you know, and they're just kind of running them up down there. And it's kind of hard to think, are, are is Israel the one that kind of needs Jonah? Maybe Jonah shouldn't have come to the Ninevites. He just should have parked himself there and tried to, to work on them. Well, let's look back over what did the next slide there. What did Nineveh hear? We, saw what, we read about what they saw. What did Nineveh hear? Because Jonah's prophesying all these military victories. You know, the Ninevites heard they were going to lose, really, and they did, because they're the big power to the north. You know, and they, they probably were the ones that owned Damascus and owned Lebo Hamath and probably some, you know, some of the turf around, the ter- around Israel that they lost, that they lost to Jeroboam. Well, why did they lose? Because Jonah said they were going to. Jonah, the prophet of God. And that's kind of weird to think that Jonah's down there blessing the guy who, you know, his father sacked the temple and Maybe should, they should make some restitution for that or try to do some right things. But again, none of us seeing this. It's very confusing to look down south at Israel and look down south at Judah and think, are, are you sure they've got a God? You know, because they tore up their own temple. They're, they're kind of mean people. You know, we read about the Ninevites being mean. And if you watch the VeggieTales version of this story, the Ninevites are really mean. And, and it turns out, well, you know, they, they're probably not nice people, but really it's Israel that's kind of mean. And is it just Jonah? Is he the only prophet down there at the time? Well, no, there's Hosea and and Amos. They're running around about this time too. So are are, are they just getting the the one story? You know, that that Jonah's blessing, their their military conquest, and that that we're going to lose. It's just set in stone. Well, no, because Amos is running around, and I didn't, we're not going to look at Amos too much. Uh, Amos chapter 7 there, Jeroboam's going to die by the sword. So not only... Are we not sure, are not, on, on, not only are the Ninevites not sure if Israel has a God, because again, they tore up their temple or attacking everybody. Jonah's blessing them and telling them they're going to do great. And then here comes Amos saying, no, King Jeroboam, you're going to die by the sword. He tells the head priest in Samaria that your wife will become a prostitute and your kids are going to die and, and all this bad stuff. So it doesn't even seem, from Nineveh's point of view, it may not seem like Israel's got their, their, their stuff together. Maybe just Jonah, because they're winning. So maybe, maybe Amos is wrong, and Hosea. Maybe those two guys are wrong, and Jonah's the only guy that's right. So when we fast forward there to, to Jonah chapter 3, 
Jonah goes to Nineveh, if you got, if you got that, uh, the top of, your, of the chapter part there. And the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. So this is after he, he, the fishes spit him out and he's kind of just sitting on the beach there. And God says, hey, go on to Nineveh. He goes to Nineveh. When Jonah gets there, think about the picture of Jonah showing up. Now, he is the prophet from Israel that they know him. He, he's blessed all those military conquests. He's kind of there. He's, he's, from, the, he's from the other side of, of, the, of the war. He, he's, he, they may not look at him very well. But when Jonah gets there, oh, he must be ripe. I bet he stinketh to high heaven. He's been in the belly of the fish for three days, soaking in stomach juice. He hiked into Nineveh from the Mediterranean. That's not a short walk. He hiked that whole way in the good Middle Eastern sun before showers and deodorant. He stinketh a long way off. They smelt him. Just like my guy I told you about earlier, they probably saw a dot on the horizon. And, oh, wow, is that dead? What is that? You know. And then someone surely, when he got to Nineveh, asked him, Jonah, you're the great prophet of Israel. What are you doing here? <laughs> you, you work for the other team. What are you doing here? And Jonah told him, well, God told me to come here. Well, that's wonderful. We we're glad that you're here. What happened? Well, I didn't want to come. I got on a boat. Well, that, that sounds not so good. And then they threw me overboard. Well, that sounds even worse. And then a fish ate me. Uh, uh, Jonah, could you repeat that last part? A fish ate you. Did, did, did you... Did you have a lot to drink on the boat, you know, where there's some other things going on. No, 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 a fish ate me. And then he spit me out. Well, we can tell by the smell, maybe he did, but I mean, you know, what, what, what on earth are you sure? Yeah. And Jonah spoke and told him, in 40 days, Nineveh will be demolished. And uh, seven words there. In King James, it's yet 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. So eight words in the King James. But that's his whole sermon. And he starts running around the city saying, in 40 days, Nineveh is going to be destroyed. Nineveh, look again, looking down south at Israel, at Judah, getting some kind of mixed messages. Still, when Jonah shows up, his word's been good. He blessed Jeroboam, blessed those military conquests, and they won. So when Jonah shows up at their doorstep, even though... He stinketh. There's some more in his message and they want to hear it. And the king reacts there in a positive way. Verse uh, 6. When the news reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. Then he issued a proclamation in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and the nobles, don't let any man or beast, herd or flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone... Call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. These backslidden children of Noah, really, because when you think about Noah landing, his three sons come out, um, and that's where everybody comes from. Um, pardon me. 
they probably have some kind of flood myth that, that the Ninevites have come up with. And they recognize that God has spoken. But they are the backslidden bunch. They are the people that have wandered so far away. You know, they're not part of the northern kingdom. They're not part of the southern kingdom. They're, they're just out there. They're, they're Gentiles. They, they, were, they, they fought with David. They fought with Solomon. They've been fighting with Israel ever since. When I think today about our country, it really is kind of Nineveh. You know, we grew up in a Christian nation. And there really is some imprints in our laws, the, the imprint of God, the thumbprint of God, and a lot of the, the things we do, the, the, the way we run business, banking for all their definitely secular attitude has some very um, Christian values in it that they just can't quite shake off. When they do, you'll know because the money will really go bad. But anyways, um, we see that really impressed upon our country. Every library you go to has one or two or three Bibles, depending upon what translation you want. Every bookstore sells them. You can go online and, and, and the Southern Baptist will mail you a copy. There's all kinds of ways that God is reaching out, you know. But the, the, the nation as a whole really is kind of falling back like, like Nineveh. And they are really kind of waiting for the smelly fish guy to come and, and share with them. But looking at Nineveh, looking, looking, what are they seeing? Again, they, they saw the, the, really almost the destruction of the temple. They saw the, the sun come along and, and just attack them and, and beat, beat Nineveh up. You know, conquer some lands. Why, why would they listen? Again, because they grew up hearing about Noah and the flood. They probably grew up hearing about Adam and Eve. They grew up hearing these things. And they heard of Jonah. They knew who he was. There's not a lot of discussion when he gets there. Verse 1 and Jonah chapter 3. When the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to, the mess proclaim to it the message I give to you. Jonah obeyed and went to Nineveh. There's not a whole lot of discussion about when he got there. Did you have to prove who you were? Can you recite the Torah? Can you do this? Can you do that? Uh, you know, no. He showed up, again, stinking to high heaven. Why would you let that guy in anyway? You know, oh, they let him in and wanted to hear what he had to say. Why? Again, because they still got that imprint of God on that thumbprint of God is on Nineveh. And I think about how much of our world today is like Nineveh, looking at the church. And sometimes when the world looks at the church, just like Israel and Judah butted heads over and over and over again, sometimes the lost world looks at us button heads over and over and over again and not to pick on us as as baptists we like to fight and that's not just us in america when you go to to england uh, and, and you look at some of their civil wars that the guys who got really ticked off and caused the most problems are baptists and when you go back before that and you get, catch up to Martin Luther, Martin Luther didn't really want to break with the, the Roman church. He just wanted to fix some things and he ends up breaking anyway. And his right-hand guy is Zwingli and I, I, he, was, he wanted to go a little further. And then there's this nut on the end who thought the end of the world was coming. He's a Baptist. <laughs> you, know, there's, you find the craziest person in the room. He's a Baptist. When the world looks at us sometimes, they see that. They really do. You know, it, it's fun to, to, to kind of look at our history and, and see some of the, the, 
I'll say bad apples, just some of the, the oddball apples in our barrel. God can still use those people. Now, I'm not sure where everybody's at in this room. I don't, maybe you've backslidden. Maybe you're, you're like Nineveh. It's been a while since you've been to church. Or it's been a while since you've really interacted with God. You know, maybe you just got, like, like Nineveh, you've got the flood myth, maybe the creation myth, and that's all you've got. You know, and God's trying to reach out to you. Maybe you're like Israel. Maybe things have gone kind of wrong, like Jeroboam there we read about in 2 Kings. He did what was evil in the sight of God and took his country with him. And God still sent Jonah to kind of help him. Maybe you're here and God has brought you to this church and, and, and Brian normally speaks and then, you know, something happened and, and, and now you got to listen to me and hang in there. You know, we're getting to the end. But maybe God's trying to speak to you today that he still put that thumbprint on you and he wants more from you. He wants greater things from you, things that you hadn't even thought were possible. It's real easy sometimes to look at the world just like I looked at that, that rich fellow who came into that bank that one time stinking and, oh, this is it can be awful. I wasn't sure if he really was going to flash me or rob us. I didn't know. I couldn't tell. The world gets so lost and confused. They look out at everybody else. Believers, unbelievers, just crazy people. They look at everybody like I looked at that fella. Maybe we need to take the stink of whatever's on us. For Jonah, it was... The, them stomach acids, that big fish, walking around the Middle East before showers and deodorant. Oh my God, can you believe how much that boy smelled? We need to take that stink with us and go talk to Nineveh. You know, wherever God has put you, whether Nineveh, again, just be a backslidden person or maybe a lost person, I don't know. But I know there's so many people out there that are hurting, that are lost. At my current bank, I work at First Federal Bank, Kansas City. They're on Nolan Road. And that's not to promote them or anything, just so that you know where it's at. It's on Nolan Road, not too far from the courthouse. I notarize a lot of divorce paperwork because people are having a rough time. They can't make it work. One couple had been married six months. They haven't had time to really irritate each other yet. Six months. They need some Jesus Christ in their life. They need that stinky prophet to come up and say, hey, the end is near, but to, to share with them some love. You know, when they started out, they didn't start out thinking, gosh, I hope this just self-destructs in six months. They thought, we're going to be together forever, and it's going to be awesome. We're going to be in love. It's, we're joined at the soul. It's wonderful. And things went so bad so fast. The world needs those prophets to come along. So whether you think, I, I stinketh, Matt, you don't know what I've been through. Well, just like Nineveh, they didn't know what Jonah had went through. And when they heard it, they probably didn't believe him. Would you believe that story? Guy walk into my bank, hey, I just got big old catfish just spit me out on the bank of the Missouri River. Really? Well, tell me more while I call the police to come get you. You know, we wouldn't have believed that. I don't know what baggage you've got. 
I really don't. But God is calling you. I don't know what your opinions are about any part of the Bible, whether you believe in the six days of creation or whether you believe in the gap theory, whether you believe in, in the preterist view of the end times that it's already happened or whether you're a, a, a post-trib, premillennial, rapturist. Uh, it doesn't matter. God's got something in store for you. God desires your presence. But Matt, I really do stink if I got some stuff I'm hiding out. Nobody knows. God still wants you. He desires your presence. He has a plan for you. But Matt, I've already ran away. So did Jonah. So did the Ninevites. Really, the Ninevites just live up the road. They could have come down to Judah and say, hey, we'd like to worship in a temple. Can you teach us? But they had backslidden. Israel had backslidden. Everybody's kind of lost when you get to this part of 2 Kings. God has a plan for you. He has not forgotten you. He still can look at that thumbprint and say, yep, that's me, I did that. And I've got a plan for that person. Each person here, every last one of us, even little bitty nine-month-old Nathan back in the nursery, God has a plan for that young man. He has a plan for your life too. As we get ready to close, and if the musicians want to wander up this way, I won't keep you here too much longer. If you're not sure about what plan God might have in your life or what he's doing for you or with you, um, come forward today and we'll pray. And uh, if, if you don't want to walk up in front of anybody, that's fine. You catch me at the end of the service, you catch somebody. And we'll pray with you and we'll see what God might have in store for you for your life, for your, your marriage. Who knows what God might be doing with you? We love every one of you and we're glad that you're here.